Oh, Matthew, another tiring week for me. I was going to be getting prank phone calls on the house phone, which was, I didn't even know he had a house phone, to be quite honest with you. But yeah, prank phone calls, and I kept going, oh, five-star reviews, oh, we need five. I didn't know what he was talking about. Then I realised that it was a lovely listener of Creative Psychopaths, and he just wanted to tell me they'd done a little five-star review. And... You guys out there, you can do little five-star reviews. I'd appreciate uh, not having to prank phone calls, but if that's what you need to do for a five-star, uh, then get on it, I'd say. Um, any phone calls for you, Matthew, or just be phone call-less? I mean, there was one bloke who kept ringing me up telling me to join this Facebook group. Oh, like, right. Man, I'm already in the Facebook group. It's a lovely, friendly community. <laughs> uh, but he, he, he kept going at it. Kept going. Talking and talking every week. Always mentioning such a thing. And an Instagram. I, I hear I hear that's feel hear that's mumbled down phone lines from time to time. Yeah, he, he kinda tried to sell that to me after I told him to do one about the Facebook uh, group saying I was already in, but he he wasn't as committed to that one. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, this week it's Black Christmas, and they've got phone calls in that, so that's why we did that bit. All right, we're we're getting on to it. Welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. While our horror sandwiches, I hear you yell and scream or whistle politely in my ear. Well, it's a lovely movie filling surrounded by two slices of chatty goodness. My name is Mark and as always, I'm joined by Matthew. Hello. Hello. Oh, sort of almost. Yeah, almost. Almost. I think it was just like a second in it. So I think we're all right. One of us touches wood. That's it for the podcast forever. (laughs) I'm actually a a wood table now. So, uh, what do we need to switch off? Chipboard. Does that not count as wood? I don't know. It's it's a, I mean, the outside of it's like a a plasticky coating, isn't it? So I guess not. That's, Mm. that's a bit I'd be touching. Right. Um, Mine's no, definitely wood. I've got wood behind me. Well, you know what? I think it is a plasticky coating with a wood effect. Oh, we're all right with sound. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, the, the time for, for jinxing has, has long since gone, hasn't it? Is that, is it only as a kid you get jinxed, and as an adult, jinx, you well, you just get ill, don't you, really, as an adult? What's, what's, no, what's, jinx is jinx. You, yeah, you can't talk if you're jinxed. <laughs> well, uh... I want to tell you that this week, um, you might have seen this on my Instagram anyway, if other people have been watching, not my Instagram, our Instagram, the podcast Instagram, but this week got around to watching uh, one of the one of the sort of, Ooh, you shouldn't watch that one. So I watched Sarlo or The 120 Days of Sodom. Um, I watched it because it's got a bit of a reputation of being very extreme. Um but the reputation for it being very boring didn't uh, didn't come up because uh, it it's like actually a really like well made film 
Um, but it's just so dull. You know, it's like two hours and even, you know, sort of I've hit a point now where, you know, I'm about as desensitized as I can to anything. So it was like, I wasn't really bothered about most of the stuff going on. So it was just very, very dull. But it turns out a lot of people have said the same thing. But it's, I think it's just one of those that you have to, you know, if you're a big horror fan, you just have to sort of scratch it off your list. Um, but I say, you know, I, when, I, I say don't. <laughs> but when I saw that your, uh, when I saw your review of it, I had a look on the letterbox for it and it's, it's not really a bell curve so much as uh, more like a zigzag. It's all over the place. So I don't think you're alone in this. No, no. I, I saw a few reviews of it. You know, I think I think there are film students and stuff that can see the sort of the 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 good behind the filmmaking and you know possibly even the storytelling because it is I think largely about fascism and stuff. But you know, it's just boring. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of things that, like, different things about our films appeal to different people, don't they? And, you know, I, I can enjoy a film that's a good story that doesn't look great, for example. Well, right, yeah. People love the aesthetics and, and stories not as important. I mean, you know, the best films bring everything together, don't they? But, you know, that's different strokes for different folks, as they say. Oh, do like different strokes. Is that the one with that kid who want the kid? So uh, Gary Oldman? Coleman? I want to say Gary Oldman, but no, I think that's he's the only played a little person once and that was that was in the movie Tiptoes. Who else was Gary was Gary Oldman in that one Leon? He was, wasn't he? He, he was, was yeah. He was good in that. Uh, we, well, we've definitely gone off uh, on a tangent. And hey, that's not a horror movie. But hey, guess what, everybody? We're gifting you and gifting ourselves again this week with with slices of bread. Uh, we're going to talk about movies that we've seen either from this year or having just watched for the first time this year. Um, first slice of bread, what we're going to do is, um, well, we're going to talk to you about our favourite films released this year. Which will be fun, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the second slice of bread now. Oh, you know, make you hungry for the second slice. So then we're going to talk about movies we've seen this year for the first time, uh, but don't have to be released from this year. Anyway, that's fun. So um, well, let's do it to it then. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll let you go first. Yeah. Okay. Well. I think this is going to be a pretty obvious one. I'll be I'll be surprised if it's not on your list. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, it's I'll say it's one of the, the it's it's one of the top films of the year, isn't it? I'll be I'll be shocked if it doesn't come in. Well, actually, no, I say that I wouldn't be shocked if it doesn't win Best Animated Feature because the uh, the new Ghibli film Buying the Heron seems to be extraordinarily well received. Uh, yeah. So, so we and the second we may be actually in the running for the best two films of the year being animated. Oh, that'll be good. Won't happen, but it'd be good. <laughs> oh, I suppose it could be though, couldn't it? You know, even in your personal choices. Um, but I think, uh, yeah. So, uh, well, you then go you. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, let's let's just let's talk Spider Verse a bit more first. No, oh, all right. 
Because I mean, it's it's grand, isn't it? It's, it's just got this. I mean, it's doing things with animation that are. Well, yeah, it feels like it's a big step forward for the medium. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it it's it's done it in a way that's not gimmicky. Uh, it it kind of it's taken what the first one did and then again just taken the next step forward. Uh, and on top of that, just had just a really interesting, solid story with great characters throughout. Yeah, it really it really worked. It really worked. Uh, and it does what sequels should do, really, which all sequels should do is it was bigger, it was better, uh, there was more to see, and it was probably just a tad more interesting as well. Um, I think I think the only thing about the animation style is it probably only works for this, though, because it's like a comic book come to life. I, I find it a bit jarring in other stuff, although is the Turtles movie a bit like that? Uh, it wasn't, was it? Uh, I think well, it was smooth. The Turtles movie was more of a consistent style, wasn't it? Yeah, it right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't a a mishmash of of all the different things chucked together, but it was very heavily stylized, yeah. uh, and all the better for it. It looked, I, I want it looked horrible, but I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> you know, it was like everyone was just real gross and icky looking, and <laughs> it, it just looked. Real grotty, uh, but I mean, it was completely by design. It was, yeah, it was fantastic. Another, another really great film. Uh, yeah, I think what we're, we're going to get to next week is that this hasn't been a great year for horror, has it? No, it hasn't been a fantastic year for horror, no. But it has been a very good year for animation, as we've we've just stumbled across into us uh, into finding out. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, another good year it has been for is female ensemble comedies as well, because there's been a few good ones are there. Because I, it's hard to say which which has been my favorite comedy of the year because I loved both Bottoms and Joyride. Yeah, right. Like, I think I might give the edge to Bottoms because. It exists in this insane, hyper-realistic, not hyper-realistic, but hyper-stylized and and hyper-teen movie realistic world. Yeah, right. uh, Have you seen Bottoms? No, no. No, so it's, it's, it's kind of got this facade of existing in sort of your 90s teen comedy. Like era, uh, but it, it just does these these stupid fun little things. Like the American football players are always wearing their kit at all times, just around the house, and uh, you know any class, any indoor situation, lunch, they're always wearing the football kit. So it's, it exists in this place where that. You know, that's kind of normal in those 90s teen movies. And, it, you know, it's brought them back and just poked fun at the uh, at those sorts of uh, tropes. Uh, 
and then also has this story of two uh, teenagers who start a fight club just so they can get laid. And it's just very funny and silly and like I loved it. And and Joy Ride is another one that it, it does what oh we've kind of spoken about with, with horror in a lot of ways where they're becoming more identity driven a lot of the time. Yeah. And Joyride does that with the uh sort of East Asian uh experience of you know return and you know those sorts of things with a big comedy spin on it and again that's another one that's really really very funny yeah yeah well sounds good i i I will have to add it to my ever-growing list um I haven't seen enough good comedies lately, so certainly should add it. Um, I think probably the only comedy that I've watched from this year is probably um, uh, No Hard Feelings with um, Jennifer Lots of Ace. You know what I mean. Lawrence. That's her, Jennifer Lawrence. Um, That's probably... Uh, and even then, it, it wasn't it, it wasn't amazing. But I kind of enjoyed, uh, you know, her character is in it is a lot older than the person she's um, sort of. Um, well, essentially, she's trying to sleep with him, but only so she can get a new car. Um, but she finds herself sort of a bit fish out of water, and you know, it's not it's not an amazing thing, but um, it really grabbed my attention because there's a moment in it where the 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 lad character in it sings um, "Man Eater" in in a sort of uh, maybe a cappella, not a cappella, you know, sort of. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> uh, Andrew Barth Feldman is his name, um, and he sings it sort of acoustic, like acoustically on the piano. So it's very nice. Um, does a really good job, and it just sort of that was enough to swing it into sort of quite liked this um you know don't watch it expecting anything amazing but it's funny enough you know it skirts the sort of edges of both being a rom-com and a sort of an american pie movie really so it's all right you know i I mean it's it's good to see that that mid-budget comedy movie's I mean, I don't think it is making a resurgence because they don't look like they're making money. So it's probably going to die quickly, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But it's nice to see them giving it a go. Yeah, yeah. Let's well, understand that Jennifer Lawrence was going to take a little break after the movie before this one, but she really wanted to give this a go because it was more like a sort of adult comedy rather than... Although I'm not sure that it is. It's, like I say, what I said was fine. It's skirting the... Skirting between rom com and American Pie. Yeah, well, I thought. Let's hope next year that we get uh, we get more comedies again. Cause... Yeah, yeah, we don't get much chance to go, to guffaw. I mean, no. I think is Deadpool three out next year. We could we can laugh at a man pointing at his nuts. So that'll be fun. Oh, no, he will be pointing at his nuts. I'm I'm sure. Yeah. Of that. 
I actually quite liked the Deadpool movies. Both of them, I thought both of them were funny, but they're only funny once. Like you go back in and you go, uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I reckon that's probably one hundred percent accurate. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, right then. So, what, what should we go next? So, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna lower the tone and go for not lower the tone. I'm going to to make the tone more serious uh, because fairly recently I saw Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, which, uh, if you're not aware of it, it won the Palm d'Or uh, at Cannes, uh, or just Cannes. Uh, let's pronounce it properly, Matthew. And it is, I think, it, most of the the films that win the Palm d'Or, I, I often watch them and enjoy them greatly, but they always just leave me slightly, just slightly cold from being able to give them top marks for a film. Uh, and, and this one's no different. There's just something about it, which I'm still trying to put my finger on, which just stopped me from uh, from really going for it. Uh, but that, having said that, it is it is one of the highlights of the year. Yeah, uh, right. So it's essentially it is just a, a legal drama, uh, but. We are not sure, and we're never sure one way or another what what is really happening uh, in the case, uh, because it tells a story of a woman who is in uh, an up-and-down relationship with her husband, uh, who dies at the beginning of the film, and then the, the case is whether she's murdered him or not. Uh, so that's the, the, the fall in question. And... Yeah, it really does pull you in a lot of directions in terms of whether you think she's guilty or not, but also what it would do to her family because they have a son, and you know what it, you know what was how we view people accused of crime. It talks about that a lot, and you know it's it, it's a tough watch, but not really in the way that you'd expect from. Uh, you know, from a film about a death, you know, that and and yeah. a suspicious death, you know, because it's it kind of treats the death as as incidental, and and it's all about you know the reaction of of the people affected by it. Right. Uh, it's in. It's very interesting, and it doesn't it, it doesn't use that as to be cold or. Uh, to sort of view that from a distance, it's very much a film that gives... It is very much a film that has emotion at its heart, uh, despite it being quite procedural. So it's, it's definitely one to recommend. I think it's probably going to come up uh, in award season too. I think it'll... All right, it, yeah. It won the Palm Door, so that's usually a good omen. Yeah, I like a, I like a sort of that sort of film to be honest i like it being sort of um used the word and i've forgotten what it was yeah uh, the other thing that's weird as well for uh you know for for being uh you know an, an englishman and sort of having all of my courtrooms be presented in sort of the english model and similar or the american model which is 
more or less the same thing. Yeah. Uh, of, of the French model, which is like, it's a, a different way of trying cases. Is it? And I think for, I think for, for people familiar with that, to, that way of trying a case, it, it's going to, uh, you know, it's going to tell the story the way it wants to. But I think for, you know, for people that aren't used to that, it gives you this like little extra bit of nerve because you're not sure even how it's going to be decided. You know, yeah. If you don't know that that system of law, yeah. Well, yeah. No, it sounds good. Procedural was the word you said, and I was looking for. But yeah, like a procedural sort of thing. Um, well, I'm going to lower the tone from that and uh, talk about Meg Two. Um, you know, I've, I've I haven't seen that one. No, right. Well, I had a bit of a sort of uh, weird relationship with a Meg Two because. You know, as you as you know, and probably the listeners know, I had a bit of a sort of uh, a Ben Wheatley renaissance this year. Um, you binged Ben, didn't you? I did. Um, and I didn't know what to expect going into this film. Uh, you know, because everything I've seen of his movies is very, very weird and and strange. And um, uh, But I watched this. I'd seen the first one. But I watched this, and it, it just... It was nice because it seemed like Ben Wheatley understood understood what he was going to do with a giant shark movie, which was give you a giant shark movie, which was stupid and and fun and and quite actually it's a little bit scary at the start, but not 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 too scary. Um, but yeah, all the characters in it are, are fine. You know, you've got Statham doing his thing, you know, doing acrobatics and things that no human man could do. Um, but it just you know, it gives you a nice villain to kill off. It's it's just it's just it's just a delight of a movie, really, because it knows what it is. I always felt like the the Meg itself was sort of not having enough fun with a giant shark concept. Whereas, you know, as I say, I think I was a bit worried about what what Ben Wheatley was going to be really doing with it. But you know, to me, this shows that he understands films and understands what people want. Uh, so partly that was part of the reason that I loved it so much, but also it's just it's just a romp, you know. This, don't it, don't go into it seriously thinking, oh, this is going to be a really good film, because it ain't. But it's also great fun, uh, which I've said already. So yeah, um, no, the Meg Two really took me by surprise. Uh, I didn't give it a really high rating when I watched it, but I still really enjoyed it. If that all makes sense. Yeah, I kind of think that from from hearing him talk about the Meg Two, uh, either like during production or prior to production, like he really uh, just seemed to relish the idea of sinking his teeth into something stupid for a change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I kind of expected that. I was a little bit dis- disappointed that uh, when I when I heard the reviews that. It didn't like it didn't go as daft as I kind of hoped it would, but it's pretty. Not, I'll have to see a judge for myself. Yeah, it's it's exactly what you'd expect, you know. If you if you got an IA to write an AI to write a giant shark movie, I think this is what you get. <laughs> Although, does that take something away from Mister Wheatley? I don't think it does, because he's giving you what you want. 
Give us what we want. That's what we say. Uh, yeah. Have you have you got many more? Or I think I've got a few. Go on, I'll do one more. I'm trying to keep it uh, away from the the big old blockbusters. You know, we're not talking Barbenheimer here because uh, I think those films they got enough press. They don't need more, uh, despite how good they were. Uh, but one film which it just it, it killed me to see the way it was treated. Uh, like we spoke a few weeks ago when we covered seven that I'm a big Fincher guy. I absolutely yeah. love David Fincher. And to see The Killer, just incredible film. Uh, and it was just dropped onto Netflix and had next to zero promotion here. Like, the film's great. <laughs> you know, it's. I'm not going to talk about the film. I'm just going to talk about how mad I am. <laughs> Netflix just just doesn't seem to care about people actually watching its films or people wanting to have any sort. Of, well, you know, Netflix don't want people to be discerning because then they know that they can't just pump out schlock and have people watch it still. But. Like, Jesus Christ, it's David Fincher. The man made Fight Club. And, like, it's sad to see that he he's made, you know, a, a brilliant film. And it's it's not an event. Like, it should be an event when David Fincher releases a film. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We've been looking... So, at yeah, it. I'm going to pop it on a real downer there. <laughs> No, not really, because, I mean, we have been lucky this year to have some events in there. You know, there was Barb and Heimer, and everyone went to the cinema to see it. And, you know, I didn't see it, but Taylor Swift, you know, she really brought back sort of a degree of events in her. You know, people went and enjoyed it and, you know, had a great time at the cinema and they probably will go back. And, and even I've noticed that, going to the cinema, it's less empty than it has been for a while. You know, people are going to see films on the big screen, which, you know, I think not until I started this podcast and talked to you so much is uh, I realised how how much of a difference it makes going to see a film like that. You um, And like Vincent said, you sort of, well, this isn't exactly what he said, but when you go to the cinema, you're sort of in a bubble, aren't you? And it's, it's um, you, you're there for that film to concentrate wholly on what you're doing, and it really makes a big difference. Um, yeah, so you know, it's not neither of those films are ones that I would put on my list, but I think it's been nice to see cinema have events this year. Yeah, and, and I, I look at what what Apple have done, you know, they've, I think within the space of a month, even maybe, maybe just slightly longer, they've released Killers of the Flower Moon and Napoleon. Yeah. Right. And these are, these are two big, big movies. Right. It's, it's Martin Scorsese and Ridley Scott, who are the, the biggest and best to ever do it. And, you know, those, those films were made for Apple TV plus. Like that's why Apple put that money in. 
Yeah, but right. That didn't stop them from pushing them as big movies to go see at the cinema. Yeah. And I think they realized that by doing that, it increases their the you know, those films stock on their services. Yeah. I think you're, and that's, you're right. I think just that's what Netflix don't understand and, and they keep doing it. You know, they did it last year. They gave Glass Onion a, a theatrical release of like three days <laughs> and it did really well. And, right, yeah. You know, I can, you know, I understand that they want, you know, streaming is their business, isn't it? But well, yeah, that there doesn't seem to be this understanding that how important cinema is because films released exclusively just if we if we if we cut away the cinema and we put films on streaming only the 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 market's hypothetical yeah it we you know everyone's got the accounts but like film it it would I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't die because people will always have the urge to tell stories and to make films like that. But the the standard and the audience would just drop so significantly that that it would almost be impossible because it's so that there would just be no funding for it because there'd be no right. audience for it be, just because they killed the audience. Yeah. Well, you know. Hopefully this year's events will have changed some of those things and they might start seeing trends. Yeah, I'm, I'm not hopeful because Netflix's next big release is Chicken Run 2, which you'd think would have an enormous audience, of, in Britain especially, of yeah. people that would take kids to it. And well, is, it even people... is it Ardman? It is, yeah. And it's just dropping on Netflix. Yeah, it got, it got some screenings at the London Film Festival and then it yeah, going. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I mean, this this could be a slice of bread for another day. Like, for example, for example, <laughs> why we hit Netflix? Well, but Amazon Prime just dropped a Christmas Batman film, which I'm like, no, this time of year, kids, you know, kids are big business, like it or not, would love to go to the cinema and watch a Batman Christmas film. I started watching it. Is that it. the feature fun. length? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It is called. What is it called? Um, it's on here somewhere. Merry Little Batman. Yeah, and but I, I, you know, I just think that with like Chicken Run as an example, it's 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 something that I mean, it's, it's Ardman. So I mean, speaking as Brits, which we are, and it, it's hard to kind of gauge how popular it is outside of the country, but in this country especially. Yeah, you know, Ardman is is such a huge name, and it you know it's a household name. Everybody loves Ardman. Everybody saw Chicken Run, <laughs> and we, you know, people sort of of our age, we saw that when we were kids, maybe a little bit older. And now, I'm sure you would take your kids to that, wouldn't you? And I would, yeah, yeah. And like Netflix, it's not just that they're leaving the money on the table for for this film. But you know that then the leaving future on the table because you know you leave kids just in front of the TV or with with an iPod, you know, an iPad or something, and tell them to to watch stuff. 
they're not going to watch films because they're not going to... There's too much to compete with. Yeah, and, and it, even teenagers and adults, it's just not going to happen. No. Cinema will breeds love the same way that libraries breed love for reading. Cinemas breed love for films, and they're so important for keeping the medium going. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, well, you know, we better get off our soapboxes um, and finish this. Should we just bang through the last ones quickly? Um, <laughs> I had no idea it was going to go like that, to be honest. <laughs> no, no, but it was really interesting. I think uh, it was really interesting to listen to that, Matthew. I, it, it, you've done the podcast proud. I'm not sure it was... I mean, we are horror, aren't we? So maybe you should threaten murder or something just to... See, to that's the in. difference because Shudder cares very deeply for, for their media. Yeah, yeah. And... The, the the stuff that should have put out are is always much lower budget and if it feels like they're giving filmmakers a voice to boost them up absolutely absolutely so i mean the work the work of the, the blumhouse model really which is low budget you know knock around i mean blumhouse has sort of steered away from that i think a little bit now but you know it's it's good stuff anyway let's let yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's move on quick. We'll probably come back to this at some point in the future. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Maybe we need I, another mod. Well, I'm just going to rattle off my last ones and then you can do that too if you want. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which... Yeah, I don't very you, fun. I don't know if you had that, but yeah, extremely fun. Much better than I expected it to be. Um, and I was happy to see the cartoon chaps show up as well. That was fun. Um, Guardians 3 which was far more emotional than it needed to be. Um, yeah, that that put uh, the notion to bed that superhero fatigue isn't real. Bad movie fatigue is. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, James Gunn really does a good job with these movies. I'm really looking forward to the, the new Superman movie because I don't think he's directing it, but he's certainly like head of creative at DC now. He, I think, yeah, he's... He's head of creative for the whole of DC, but he is writing and directing the new Superman film. Oh, well, there you go. So that's going to be brilliant, isn't it? Which is great because, you know, Superman's my favourite. A lot of people don't like him because he's sort of a god. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm always a big Superman guy, so I'm really looking forward to that. And the last one I've got was one that I think came out through Sky, which is A Good Person, which had uh, Florence Pugh and... That other fella, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, that's um, the Zach Braff one, isn't it? Yeah, it was just it was just good fun. Not no, it actually wasn't good fun. It was pretty hard to watch, but um, sort of seeing. Um, well, Florence Pugh adds everything to me. Well, I'll watch whatever she's in, uh, you know, because I think she really adds to anything and. Couple with Morgan Freeman, and you've got a great film. But this this is a film about you know someone who gets addicted to drugs after uh, a, a accident, uh, and you know she's basically addicted to painkillers, and then gets addicted to harder drugs. And uh, the accident that she was in killed the daughter of uh, Morgan Freeman, but he's a recovering alcoholic, and they end up at the same. Uh, well, she goes for the same sort of um, 
you know, addiction thing that that he's at, and they sort of, you know, he hates her and yet he helps her, and it's actually it's really good. Yeah, so I, I like a bit of I like a bit of that. Um, yeah, I, I meant to rattle off quickly and I didn't. <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to bring up? Uh, again, I'm I'm going to stay clear of the 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 big names. Although I will just say quickly that John Wick Chapter 4 and Elizabeth of the Flower Moon were both excellent. Okay. Uh, but the one that I would just like to, to finish on is, I call me a hypocrite, but it's a Netflix film uh, <laughs> called Bank of Dave. And oh, it's, yes. Yeah. It's not it's not a great film, you know, by any means. It's twee. It's hard, you know, it's Sunday evening ITV drama sort of film. But... It's set in in my hometown of Burnley uh, about a story that I remember, uh, although the the truth of the story is very different from what the film is. And it's just very nice to see, uh, you know, my hometown, which which often gets a bad rap in the uh, you know in the world because it's it's quite a poor area, and and you know we we've had social troubles, which is is never fun. Uh, but it, it it portrays a town like the town I know that's full of you know warm-hearted people that are caring and just trying to make the best of it. And it's it's not often that I get to see people like me and like that in film. So it was mm-hmm. yeah, it, it warmed my heart. But I imagine it will not have the same effect for uh, for most of our listeners who don't have that. Uh, that emotional connection to uh, I think my wife college. watched it and she loved it. So, well, good. She's a woman of taste. <laughs> well, um, so well that that was our lovely slice of bread. It was a slightly longer slice of bread than we anticipated, but that's not a problem. Um, chunky boy, wasn't it? Huh? That was lovely. A lovely doorstep slice of bread. You know, sometimes we, you know, sometimes we're interesting and say things that are uh, that are good. But One say, of those times where you cut the bread and it's too thick to fit in the toaster. Oh, you can't really cut any off because then it you'll just ruin the slice and oh, it's all of a muchness. So you just have to stick it in the oven instead. Oh yeah. Oh, and then pour some something on or cheese it up. <gasps> cheese on toast. Oh, that is nice. Maybe That's we good, can... we're gonna have to do when we can't think of a second slice. Yeah, we could do something. We could do a horror, horror cheese on toast. Or a horror French toast. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we're getting weird. So uh, let's get into the filling this week. We're sticking with, um, well, I say festive movies. We're sticking with Christmassy horror movies. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. So the first thing to know is that Halloween in 1978, when it came out, it was... Um, unarguably started the 80s horror slasher sort of revolution. Without that film, there isn't um, there isn't Friday the 13th, there isn't Scream. You know, brilliant. But way back in 1974, the director, Bob Clark, brought us Black Christmas, which Halloween owes a lot to. Um because this was the sort of, you know, we'd had movies that were slashery sort of movies like Psycho, for example, but this was the first movie that dealt with the sort of 
a sort of teen aesthetic, um, which would which would run on to like Alice, Sweet Alice in nineteen seventy six. Um, but as I, as I said before, it it, it was nineteen seventy eight Halloween that really did what it was supposed to do. But uh, yeah, essentially, it's a bit of a legacy piece as far as horror movies go. Um, but what I'll do is I'll go through the cast, give you a little plot rundown, and then, well, not a plot rundown, just a synopsis, uh, and then we'll get into it. So we have, we have, as I've said, the director is Bob Clark. Uh, we have Olivia Hussey as Jess, Kia Dully as Peter, Margot Kidder as Bob, uh, John Saxon as Lieutenant Fuller, Marion Waldman as Mrs. Mack, Andrea Martin as Phil, James Edmund as Mr. Harrison, and Lynn Griffin as Claire. Um, so, essentially what happens is, uh, as the girls of a sorority house are waiting uh, on the sort of last days of college and about to start winter break, they begin receiving uh, very, very strange phone calls. Not even, well... At one point, they say heavy breathing, but it isn't. It's sort of screaming and weird voices and stuff like that. Um, and then when one of their one of their lot goes missing, um, they sort of they go to the police, and uh, others get killed. <laughs> uh, you know, that's not a spoiler. That it's it's a horror, it's a horror film. People are going to get killed in it. Um, so yeah, um, so let's get into it then. Have you seen this one before, Matthew? Or... No, I haven't. So I want to take this this opportunity to apologise because we said we we're going to choose Christmas films, <laughs> and I I thought this was more of a Christmas film, but it it's entirely incidental, isn't it? That this is Christmas. There is nothing Christmassy about it other than they have a tree that's covered in cobwebs. No, you you, you you're right. You're right, um, and I think it just it just sort of became happen happenstance. I don't know if that's even the right word, but I know originally the script was somewhat based around the sort of the babysitter and oh, he's in the home with you, that sort of thing. And I think over time that that got changed into this, which still holds that sort of character. But they were like, oh, let's do it Christmas. But as you say, it's a rather incidental. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's that there are a little bits where uh, you know a character is expected to to return home for the Christmas holidays, and she doesn't show up because she's been killed. But like, there, there is there's very little actual Christmas. But I think what it does do, uh, especially for for when it came out and and when you know Christmas horror films weren't as widespread as they are now is that it, it it kind of just adds a little layer of, of extra horror without having to do anything doesn't it just because it's it's Christmas these things don't happen at Christmas we don't have Christmas films like this yeah yeah I mean it, it doesn't matter it, it, it's, it's called Christmas so it's, we're, we'll have it and I'm quite happy to cover this movie because as I said for me this is a legacy movie when it first came out it didn't get reviewed particularly well it was sort of very mixed in reviews but there was no sort of really really positive stuff but i think 
as the years have gone on with horror, people have looked back and and seen, you know, where this stuff comes from. And as I said at the beginning, you know, this movie happily sets up movies to come. Um, and it has, as you know, it's it's gone back round to being a sort of classic horror film, really, which um, I'm mostly in agreement with. Um, I think, if you don't mind me saying, though, that uh, <laughs> I don't know why you would mind me saying, but one thing this movie is, is it's not fun. Do you agree? Like, there's no, it's not a fun slasher sort of thing. It, it's just sort of, it feels really um, kind of bleak, maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And I, I think when I went into this film, I, I was sort of expecting the that first slasher kind of thing, but for me, I. Feel found it to be more of like a bridge between sort of those uh you know Hitchcockian who done it films with a horror edge. Right, yeah. To to the slasher film because I thought, you know, there's a lot of beats and uh you, your creative decisions that that you can see how it was moving from one style to the other. You know, because yeah. they've they've got so much of this is about a police investigation and, and you know, that all the calls coming from inside the house beat. Uh, and it it doesn't show the kills, really, does it? Like a, you know, like a slasher would, which I no, think is doesn't. why you say that it's, it's not a great deal of fun because I think a lot of the fun of the slashers is going over the top and doing those big... Uh, yeah, you're right. You know, those right. big beats. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, I think it, it feels like like a, a big melting pot of all those genres, which is I mean, it's something you can only say with hindsight because a lot of those those beats hadn't come yet. You know, they were about to be established. Yeah, right. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I could feel that it was that sort of bridge. I also saw there was quite a few jello beats in there as well. Like Yeah, for sure. individual shots than any sort of your themes and your uh your plot threads or anything but like yeah even that it feels like there was just there was just so much of so many different kinds of horror in it like, I, I really loved it for that yeah yeah it's um well i've written down a, a few different things about um about this movie one one thing is that um often and this does sort of happen in this film, but not to the same degree. Often you find with a slasher movie, for, movie, for example, the bodies of who's been killed start sort of popping up towards the end for a, for a jump scare or for, a, you know, or even for just a bit of fun and, and stuff like that. Whereas this film doesn't uh, doesn't really do that. It doesn't give you any, you know, as I say, there are there are moments in it where you see dead bodies, but... For example, Claire, who gets killed first, and she gets she gets uh, a bag over her face, um, and we, as an audience, don't necessarily get to see the kill. But before anyone else, we get to see the aftermath of the kill, and it 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 comes back to it, and it's not a jump scare; it's just 
awful. She 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 has the worst run of the whole, the whole film. She, her whole thing makes me very sad because they never they never seem to find her. Um, apart from Mrs. Mac, but she sort of uh, gets it. Um, she pays for finding her, doesn't she? She does pay for finding her. Yeah, and it's all very. Um, it's just that particular one is very bleak because we end on her as well. You know, uh, well, sort of. Um, yeah, so uh, as I say, it's um, well, like you said, it's a mix of different genres. You know, it's got all different elements in it, but it never, it's never obtuse. Would that be the right word? Uh, <laughs> um, apart from some of the language, I would say is rather uh, fruity, especially by the killer. Early doors, he's a bit there. Are, there yeah, there are a, a few sea bombs thrown about there, aren't they? In there? there are some nasty little sea bombs that we would never say on this podcast. Um, have we ever said that? No, we haven't. We're not gonna, uh, <laughs> um, certainly not in the context that they used in that film. <laughs> no, um, uh, what I will say is, um, we don't get to see the killer, do we really? Um, apart from his eye, one beady eye, um, which is Not... interesting. And on top of yeah, that, I think that's important for for building that that who done it element, doesn't it? And uh, it certainly does leave it open for for a sequel as well. Yeah, so we don't get that resolution, but. I also think that uh, it it leads me onto something which I found very strange about this film. In that the the horror in it feels like it's it's very driven towards uh, towards a female audience, right? In terms of the type of horror, I mean, you know, you think what the main scares are of the film, it's uh, you know, strangers calling with your know, threatening sexual violence. Uh, the uh, a a partner who has you know uh, gotten a, uh, one of the women pregnant and she wants an abortion and he's taking that very badly. So that's you know the threat of uh, of a partner turning violent against you. You know, that, that so much of it is, and of course, women are the only people that are killed in the film as well. So, it, yeah. and I look through the cast and crew, and uh, in the crew, there is there is one woman in it, which obviously, you know, not great, but nineteen seventies Hollywood that there weren't a great many women in positions of power. No, and like it, it, it shocked me that. It feels. I mean, I'd love to to have a woman let us know how they, you know, how they feel about this film, whether it has more of an impact than it does for us as men. But it, you know, it felt so driven towards horror at females, and it would have been much more impactful than that. And it was even more shocking that it's it's made by the same man who directed Porky's. So you know, it's. <laughs> 
like yeah it, it was something that was that was, it was quite shocking to me in that regard yeah uh and and not that it, it should be shocking of course but it's just not that the 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 films of this era you know they weren't you know they weren't aimed at that so much were they that they were all so very feminine focused in its horror it was more kind of it, it was it was more uh killing women because that mm-hmm. that obviously came up a lot but it was didn't feel as uh misogynistic in his motives uh as as this film does yeah yeah it's uh yeah i don't I guess I missed that along the way. <laughs> but you're right. I'm just an ally. No, no. <laughs> you, you're right. I, I mean, I, I suppose I, I did. I did catch some of it, and um, you know, it's um, very like uh, just a now thought of, of like you know. For a woman to choose whether she wants to be pregnant or not, you know, that sort of thing. You know, it's possibly back in 1974, it probably was frowned upon. But, you know, now we sort of live in a society where it's like, you're not judged for that. Um So, yeah. And I feel like in this, it's like, you know, while you're watching it, you're like, yeah, more power to you, you know, why... You know, you don't have to marry this guy. You don't have to you know, enjoy your life. Fuck this guy. Um, yeah, so I did. I, I suppose I did feel a lot of that. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting sort of film. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Margot Kidder in it. Um, well, I mean, she does all right for what she's doing, um, and I was. <laughs> found myself uh, chuckling a bit when she's uh, spelling the word fellatio, just because she spells it correctly, and in the Superman movie, she can't even spell bloodletting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't... It, it caught me by amusement for me to go, ah, I see. Well, I guess I didn't see what they did there, because Superman would be another eight years, uh, four years? Or 78, I think, Superman the movie? I think so. Um... Now, was it? That's a good question. I should know that. But I'm going to look. Uh, cool, it was 1978. Oh, there you go. You see, I do know. I do know my Superman things. And, yeah, so that that made me chuckle. Yeah, I think, that though, that that's a, that a strength of the film, though, isn't it? That, that we've got characters that we, you know, we don't like so much because... All the characters feel pretty well drawn, don't they? You you get a, a strong sense of of who's who, and again, that's something that kind of separates it from the the slasher because slashers need fodder, don't they? They need you know people to be slashed. Uh, whereas this film's not; it's not set up that way. No, true. We we know all the characters and. We, 
I'm not not necessarily that we, we have to empathise with them as, as such, but you know, we we know we know what they're about. Right. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. I, 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 like, there's no one in this you want to die. Even Margot Kidder's character, who's obviously, you know, she's obviously struggling with alcohol, and you know, it it, it feels like she has trouble at home and that sort of stuff. So you're not. There's no one in this that you're rooting for to die. Um, even the house mother, Mrs. Mack, is she's charming in her own way. It's fun seeing it, that she's hidden alcohol all around the place. Um, you know, she's actually a sort of fun character. Um, so, you, you know, when she does die, it is a sort of, uh, I liked her. Um, but there were, there were other characters in it. For example, uh, Mr. Harrison, who's Claire's dad, who... When he shows up, he's, he's like a bit sort of you, a bit sort of, this guy's a bit stuffy and stuff like that. And yet, when it comes down to it, you know, when they have to have a search party for searching for, was it a, it, was it a little girl or something like that? He's he's like, oh, well, you know, forget Claire, let's get on with this. And you sort of come round to him that he's like, you know, he's a bit stiff as far as things go, but he's also a good person. And I really like his character. I, 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 I like coming round to him. This second time that I've seen it, I was like, I was obviously aware, so I was all right. But I think the first time I was a bit like, who is this prick? Um, <laughs> you know, because he doesn't feel like he's being particularly useful. But actually, in this movie, they, they give you enough character growth from him in the sort of hour and 37, I think it is, that, you know, even him you're on board with. Um, and when he eventually when he eventually reaches the gravity of the situation and what, what's happened and he finally goes into shock, you're like, oh, I feel bad for that guy. Um, so, yeah, I, re I really like him. I think ultimately in the end, he's probably my favourite. Um, I quite like some of the cops, but I also feel like they're also very, very stupid. Uh, yeah, I think that's another an element that I miss speaking about with the, you know, that... Uh... The, the fear that that feels exclusive to women, you know, and that they they go to the police with these problems and they're not listened to until a man comes in and yeah, that's uh, for sure, absolutely, yeah, shouts at them. Uh, so that that's another thing. But yeah, I think uh, again we we've got kind of one competent cop that's that's on the ball, uh, but even sort of the 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 goofball cop. You, 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 you kind of grow with him as well, don't you? Because he's on side and trying to help by the end of it. Yeah. In a way that he wasn't at the beginning. Yeah, you do that. They, it's actually a, a, whole, a whole lot of stuff going on. Like the uh, Lieutenant Fuller, and I think he was one of the detectives that with him. And it's like when he's giggling because the guy's got like buckshot in his butt. And it's like you're there with him going, yeah, it's kind of funny actually. Um, so it leads you out, but yeah, there are some stupid decisions made in this. Like, I've got, for example, Lieutenant Fuller's looking around the house, and they assume Mrs. Mack is asleep, so he goes, oh, just let her sleep. Even though he's well aware there's a second phone line in there. Like, wake her up, you know, or get it, go in, oh, she's not actually here. Um, that feels ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, when 
uh, is it Jess is sedated? They just leave her. <laughs> uh, she's sedated for about yeah, yeah. All right, well, I've got places to be. Oh, I hope I get to. Thank you very much. Uh, which I thought was a bit um, strange. Very bad police decisions. I did like the guy in the what is it in the tracing bit. Um, and I still can't figure out how he what he was doing. <laughs> it's like running from one thing to another, and I'm going, how oh, what? <laughs> Teach me. Uh, but yeah, um, what else have I got? Oh, should we should we tackle the ending? Yeah, let's hit the ending. Yeah, yeah. How how did you how did you feel about the ending? Um, it is, you know, overall the sort of you know final, if you will, it's um when she gets down into that cellar, it's pretty, it's pretty sort of intense, um, and so Jess, who is essentially our final girl, um. She's down there, and uh, Peter, her boyfriend, shows up, and he seems a bit out of control. Like, um, she kills him, doesn't she? He does. Or at least that—that's what they—that's what they find out. Um, but overall, I think we're led to believe that it wasn't even him. Uh, yes. Yeah, so we we, yeah. So she kills. Peter with the the fire poker, doesn't she? And then yeah. we uh, see that at the, at the end of it, Billy's still up in the... Well, I don't know, it, it's not really an attic, is it? Because it has a window facing the front of the house, which is... Yeah. I mean, if I was to, to, to go on a killing spree, I wouldn't leave the murder victims in the front window, but that's that's just me. Uh... So yeah, I again that's kind of this this other thing that differentiates this from slashes, doesn't it? And you know, all what slashes to come. Because there is it, it kind of has a the final girl, it has that template there. But it doesn't have the you know, the showdown with the person we know is the killer. It, it's kind of it's, it's darker in that regard, isn't it? Because you know, the suggestion is she's killed, uh, you know, an innocent man. Yeah, a dickhead, but you know, an innocent man. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel like. Because on the one hand, it feels like they were just leaving it open for. Uh, quite, you know, quite an interesting take uh, uh-huh. for the time to suggest that there is a killer still at large and that the fears aren't going away. Uh, but also, I it feels like a bit of a cop out. <laughs> yeah, you know, it feels like we've we've watched this whole thing and we've not been given any sort of. Uh, I mean, not necessarily answers, but not even a, a shred of of any information, is it? We sort of leave the film at the same as we entered it, started, except yeah. 
people have died along the way. Yeah. I I really, I, I must admit, I really enjoy the element of it. Um, it's just, it just adds to the bleakness of the film for me. You know, it, as I said right at the start, it's not a fun film to watch. It doesn't, it, there's no fun to be had here really. Aside from, you know, it's a pretty, pretty decent movie. Um, oh, it's a horror in the truest sense of the word, isn't it? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, I watched it for the first time this year, sort of adding to my films I've never watched before because it's, as I say, I know it as a legacy picture, you know, because I do think, you know, go, if you don't mind, go over some of the, there's things in this, like the killer's POV, which moved over into sort of Halloween, you know, so there are things from this movie that, you know, I'm not going to say that John Carpenter has necessarily stolen from this movie, but he will have seen it, no doubt. Um, you know, so there are things in here to to see and enjoy. And I actually like, um, I really like that sort of thing. Going back to, I've said a million times, Lady in the Cage, one of the reasons I really like it is because you can watch it and see the future of horror in it. So uh, that's what I, I, one of the things I really like about this. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something if you're a fan of, if you're a fan of the fawn, like this has a lot for you in it. Yeah. If, you know, if you've never seen it. For sure. For sure. So should we give our reviews? Yeah. I think it's quite an easy one for me. I, I'm giving it a creative psychopath. It's, right in there yeah me too um great psychopath i think the first time i saw it i gave it like four stars but i wasn't sure whether i enjoyed it so much but (laughs) which is weird i know um but i think mostly that was down to the sort of bleakness of it whereas this time i really enjoyed watching it um and it passed by quickly and I enjoyed the characters like I said so yeah creative psychopath and if you haven't seen it uh people out there probably should have done before you listen to this but if you haven't seen it you should definitely add it to your sort of horror movie watch list because uh I really think it's it's worth doing um so yeah lovely so um let's get into the, the final slice of bread I suppose I could say, yeah. Uh, if you want to give your, if you want to give someone a really great present, you could uh, order a T-shirt. But that won't come in time because I ordered Matthew one ages ago, and it's only just been shipped. <laughs> it'll but be I'll with, have one in time for Christmas. It'll be with you between the nineteenth and the twenty-second of December, so that's nice. That'll be something nice for you to open. <laughs> but uh, maybe you could. Give it as a New Year's gift to someone. Uh, you don't have to buy a T-shirt. <laughs> right, so uh, let's get into this final slice of bread, which is us talking about movies that we've seen this year that weren't necessarily from this year. Um, yeah, and I've got a lot, so I'm not gonna. I'm gonna try not to go too mad with it and just pick a handful. Okay, well, I'm, I'm gonna start with a big cheat. Oh, because 
I'm picking a film that I've seen loads of times, but I got to see it at the cinema. And I've already said it loads of times too, so I'll get it over with quickly. But it's a whole different experience. It's fucking brilliant. Uh, I saw The Shining in the cinema for the first time, and it's perfect. Yeah, I really would have liked to have seen it in the cinema. Um, I just couldn't get out to it. I think either I was working or I had the kids, and I was like, but I want to see The Shining. I'll take them along with you. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. It's a good way to mess your kids up, isn't it? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so anyone out there, if you haven't seen The Shining, go see The Shining. Um, yeah, stop listening right now and go watch The Shining, I'd say. We'd rather you watch that than listen to this. <laughs> so my uh, first one was from January, and it was a film that, as it came up a lot on the BFI sort of almost top 10, which is um, Bicycle Thieves by, written by Vittorio, no, sorry, directed by Vittorio De Sica. Um, essentially, it is um, an Italian film set post World War II, and um, there's to get to get a job to get a job he has to have a, have a bicycle and the job is just putting up posters around the city anyway his bicycle gets stolen um and it's sort of his his journey to find his bike bicycle and then sort of you know eventually what it what that bicycle really means which is that he can no longer get money and you know, it's just a really, it's just a, an absolutely fantastic film. I would, I would recommend it. I'm not doing it justice, but it's, um, it's really, it's a really emotional journey. Um, so yeah, uh, you can uh, go now if you want. I've probably got quite a lot. <laughs> okay, uh, I mean, yeah, my year this year, uh, it was watching new new films but also i think the rest of the time i was kind of revisiting films that i'd seen before uh you know kind of before becoming more cine literate right uh, so yeah there isn't a great deal that i could say i watched for the for the first time first time uh, but it has been nice to kind of get the feeling of rediscovering a lot of films. Uh, but I'm not going to go with any of those. I am actually going to go with one that's a bit of a cheat because I watched it very early on in January before uh, before I put out my uh, list of my favourite films of, of 2022. Uh, but I'm counting it for this one because I've not spoken about it on the podcast and it's a film I, I truly, truly love. And I think I've watched it twice since this year. So... I mean, that's a lot for me because I never, I very, very rarely revisit films despite everything I just said a minute ago. <laughs> and that is Triple uh, R. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, an, it's an Indian film and it is uh, just insane in the best way. It's got the, the, the biggest, most bombastic action sequences you could you could ever think it's got musical numbers 
it's got real just it's got some some proper gore in it uh, and some some real tough scenes to watch I mean it, it's got like everything in it it and it's just I mean it's something that the only way I can describe it is that it defies belief but it's yeah it's there it's it's brilliant and I, I recommend everybody watch it uh, because it's it is just that good and it was robbed at the Oscars for best international feature yeah, a lot of people that have um, seen that have said it's really good. I think you might have mentioned it to me off pod once, uh, but I know other friends who have seen it have said it's really good. Long, as I recall, it uh, it is quite long. It did it won uh, it did win best song at the Oscar at the Oscar. It did win that one, uh, but think it's it's that stupid stupid thing that they they have at the oscars with films that aren't in the english language where like a country has to submit a film for it yeah right uh, so oftentimes like a country will just make a, a choice that is like uh france for example didn't submit portrait of a lady on fire for it i mean what what many regarded just be the best film of the year full stop just didn't get an, uh, a nomination. I think that's the same thing that happened with uh, with Triple R. I think India didn't submit to the Oscars. Uh, why, why they should have to and why it's just not considered just, you know, among every other picture that comes out, I don't know. But, but that, yeah, that was the case. Uh, I mean, as it happened, All Quiet on the Western Front won that category, uh, which is also just a really, really awful watch, but a, a fantastic film. So I, I, I would take my, my comment by being robbed, but also it, I still probably would have given it to it. Right. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. So you should definitely add that to your list, folks. Um, r- right. Let's see. What else? Oh, uh, I had a little bit of a, also had a bit of a Lynch uh, year too. I really enjoyed um, Mulholland Drive, which uh, I started off and I was like, I don't know if I like this, um, but um, I found myself suddenly dragged in, and I didn't realize I I didn't realize that I'd become so engrossed in it. And I found that with most Lynch films is that I start off confused and then suddenly engrossed and uh it's really good for that stuff i'm not going to mention well um did i watch eraserhead for the first time this year maybe um so yeah eraserhead was amazing that that um that was such a weird film that when i first saw it i was like i don't know if i like that but it cooked in my brain for ages to the point where i was like oh yeah i really like that (laughs) so yeah uh, yeah, so Mull Island Drive, get it watched. Yeah, um, I think I, I I really need to to watch Twin Peaks to, soon because I started watching it fairly recently and just drifted off from it, and I feel I feel bad for that. So 
I have tried Twin Peaks so many times. I'm on my about my fifth try to rewatch it. It's just I don't know what it is about it that I can't get into. Um, We're gonna have we'll have to do it for the pod. We'll just we'll we'll get on for a slice of bread each week. How how are we getting on with Twin Peaks? Ooh, that's like motivation, isn't it? Yeah, all right, I could do that. <laughs> I could do that. And then we could finish off with um once we've done it, we could do uh Firewalk with me. We could. Which I've heard is really good. Uh oh there, there you go then. Oh we'll look forward to that next year. Folks. <laughs> um do you want to do more or will I... I'll, I'll do one more, I think. Uh, okay. Because there was there was a strange period in the uh, the middle of the year-ish uh, where me and the other half, we, we kind of just tripped into it, but then it became more of a habit of watching uh, Ryan Gosling films on Friday oh, yeah. nights. Awesome. Yeah, we, we just kind of... I think it happened like a couple of weeks in a row where we watched a film with Ryan Gosling in it and then we just carried on doing it and it came like a little tradition for a while. And I'm going to make a bold claim and say that Crazy Stupid Love is is the greatest rom-com of all time. Wow. I don't know if I've seen it. I Yeah, I, I, just, I think it's wonderful. It's... It tackles this this idea of love from like lots and lots of different perspectives. All the characters are in it, and they're all. I mean, they they all start off from various positions of dislikable, and they all grow throughout the film, and they all become better as a result. And it's just really, really heartwarming. But also, which I often don't find with rom coms because. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm conditioned the way society uh, tells me to in this regard, but I just often just don't find rom coms funny. Well, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, I w- I really was laughing quite a lot throughout Crazy Stupid Love, and it's <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a really great film. I can't recommend it highly enough. Well, yeah, I've just I found it on Netflix. Uh, even though we hate them, stupid Netflix, stupid net, crazy stupid Netflix. Um. Yeah, so uh, why not? Yeah, I'll give that. I want to go. That sounds good. Right. Well, let me uh, let me rattle off a few then, because um, I have watched a lot this year, and I might as well. I might as well do it. Eh? Um, but I won't spend too much time on them. Let's see. So, um, Persona by Ing- Ingmar Bergman. I also went on a bit of an Ingmar Bergman thing. Persona is really great. It's verging on definitely being a horror film. Uh, Singing in the Rain. Don't need to talk about that. Awesome. Five stars. Uh, if you fancy a nice animated movie, The Sea Beast on Netflix was a was a bit of a treat. Um, that's worth a watch. I've got loads here. Um, After Sun. Which I know you like. Uh, yeah, that's what uh, when I spoke about on the Last Jedi on the Left podcast on my my favorite holiday films. 
Oh, right, yeah. After Sun was fantastic. It uh, it draws you in. It makes you think. Um, yeah, really great. Really fantastic stuff. Um, Maureen Mar Bergman watched Wild Strawberries. Autumn, Autumn Sonata is... Re- I don't think you say it's Sonata, I think it's Sonata. Um, is really great. Very awkward, um, but just does a lot for you. Um, let's see. Sightseers, we spoke about before. Fantastic. Um, oh. Let's see what else we've got. Oh, uh, old, The Old Dark House, 1932, uh, with Bella Lugosi. Um, pretty much the start of the sort of universal monsters, really. Uh, well, maybe not the start, but it's certainly a universal. It's a James Whale movie. Um, definitely worth a watch. Uh, if you again, it's a sort of add it to your horror list. Um, whatever happened to Baby Jane? Tetsuo the Iron Man. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey? No, that was shit. Yeah, was that just to make sure I was still listening? <laughs> I um, I couldn't believe that we that that was this year. When I saw it was this year, I was like, "What the hell?" It was like yeah, forever. I feel, I feel like I aged a few years while watching it. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, which. Um, you put me on to absolutely brilliant. I very, think we might scary. be covering that one soon. Ooh, lovely. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Great Expectations, 1946, which I think I saw in your letterbox. Maybe. Yeah, that's one that I watched this year uh, in my revisiting films that I remembered from being a younger man because I, yep. I watched that in secondary school and yeah, that was yeah, really a great. Fantastic film. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, let's see. Oh, The Red Shoes, uh, which was 1948. Um, it, basically, it's a film where most of the men are shitbags uh, and can't seem to come to terms with a woman having a life that isn't solely dedicated to them. Um it's a fantastic movie about uh, a ballerina who's incredibly talented. Talking about ballerinas, uh, Black Swan was also a treat. I'm trying not to do too many of these. Lady in a Cage, obviously. In Bruges, I saw for the first time this year, uh, which was the movie you actually did on um, Last Jedi. That's, yeah, last that, that was the main, that was the filling for uh, my appearance <laughs> on Last Jedi. Yeah, I would definitely catch if you haven't caught Matthew's episode on Less Jedi on the Left, then you really should because uh, it was fascinating to listen to. I really enjoyed it. Um, you should definitely go into that. Uh, let's see. Oh, I saw the Devil. Well, maybe I didn't see that this year actually because that was a rewatch. Uh, 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 uh. Oh. Oh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I already said that. That was from this year, wasn't it? I've, I've broke the rules. Uh, 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 um, 
King Kong was the first I saw that really properly for the first time this year. Um, and that was great. Um, really fantastic. Uh, let's see. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer would I highly recommend. Uh, uh, uh. Maybe I should just stop now. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, hit us off with one last big one. Oh, one last big one. Oh, possession. Um, Sam Neill being a crazy person. If you haven't seen Possession 1981 yet again, I would say that um, I've offered you a few of these. But if you want to, if you want to see a horror film that is amazing, then you should watch Possession. It was fantastic. Um, I keep meaning to get round to watching the other Sam Neill film that he's in. Uh, the Omen 3. No, not The Omen 3. Um, what's it called? I'm going to have to find out now. Um, it's called... Sam Neill. I like Sam Neill. He's good, isn't he? You don't see him in enough stuff. Yeah, Maybe you do see him in enough stuff. Oh, In the Mouth of Madness. There you go. Um, I've been meaning to watch In the Mouth of Madness for ages. But you get crazy, uh, crazy Sam Neill in that too. Uh, yeah, there are a million more films that I've seen this year. But if you want to see what I've watched, then um, you can. The best thing to do would be go on my letterbox and look at my diary. Um, I'll tell you what my username is in a minute. I think it's Creative Psychopath Podcast. Um. Because originally I started it to do a letterbox for this, but it's just became my letterbox now. So yeah, create a psychopath podcast. If you really want to see all the films I've watched this year and what I thought of them, then yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I missed one. I watched Transformers the movie the other day. It's really good. <laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot it was amazing. Um, yeah, it was like. I couldn't believe how good it was. I was, I saw, and I saw it when it came out in 1986. Um, I don't remember liking it that much then, but they do kill Optimus Prime in it. Spoilers. So, you know, as a, as a boy, that's, that's sort of like sacrilege, really. Um, uh, anyway, let's finish. Let's go home. Cause I really think we've run quite long. <laughs> Well, it's been a treat, and yeah, I'm, I've I've seen some of them. I've not seen others, so I will, uh, yeah, let's take those recommendations on. Yeah, well, I've enjoyed talking about stuff outside of horror. And to be fair, if any of you, you know, want to put a thing in Facebook or whatever, and you want to tell us to do more non-horror stuff, then we could do that. Um, you know, not regularly, but we could add that in from time to time if you'd like some themes and stuff like that, because you know. We like all films, really. Me and Matthew, we watch a lot of stuff. Um, we do. Yeah. So if you want want that, have that. Anyway, your sandwich is ready. It's a big boy this week. It's a foot-long... Ooh. Foot-long doorstep of a sandwich. You're not even going to be able to fit it in your mouth. You'll, you have to eat this sandwich with a knife and fork, which is against all laws of men. Um... So, yeah, weren't sandwiches invented? So, oh, no, it was Cornish pasties, wasn't it? 
I didn't get to what my point was. I was going to say, weren't they invented so they could have the filling without touching it? But I think that was the Cornish pasty. That's why it's got that big old rust on it. No, I think Cornish pasties were, were basically made for miners so that they could have the whole lunch in a in a convenient uh, pouch, essentially. Oh, but yeah, but I thought the big crust was there so they could hold the big crust and not touch the food with their with their blackened black. Oh, oh, right, okay, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think so I don't know what the sam- I don't know what the sandwich was all about. Anyway, um, eat your sandwich and piss off. Right, bye everyone. Bye, love you. Love you. Oh, yeah. Nice.